Hello, everyone. Welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition, Dungeons and Dragons adventure. It's me, Paul, and tonight I'm very excited and nervous and terrified, honestly, to present to you the finale for season one, which we have internally referred to as Save the Tree ever since the beginning, I guess. Before we hop into it, I wanted to go ahead and get everything out of the way up front because there are a couple of things I need to mention, but I don't want to interrupt the flow of this episode at all in the interim and also don't want you all to have to stick around at the end, so let me just really quickly get this out of the way. We will not have a regular D&D episode next Monday, October 1st. We're going to be releasing on October 1st at the regular time, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Sharp, our first Q&A slash reflection episode. In that episode, we're going to give each of the players and myself an opportunity to discuss the things that we loved about this season, the things that we wish we could have done differently, perhaps, character decisions, different things. We're excited to really get a chance to dig into it and have that commentary for you all. Of course, we've also opened ourselves up to any questions from the community. We've posted a Google form in the show notes. It will be in the show notes for this episode. It's been in the notes in the last few weeks. You can click that form and submit a question, and we're going to get to as many of them as we can. We're probably going to go for about an hour and a half, and I promise that we're going to try our very best to get to every question that we have. So if you have questions about the season in general, Manumi, us as players, me as the DM, anything, ask it. And even if you've already submitted a question, after the finale, if you have burning questions that haven't been answered yet, or if you want to give us a comment on anything that happens in the finale, I'm, I'm hoping that some of you will have reactions. I wish I could see your faces as you're listening to this, or maybe the best way that we can experience that sort of reaction is through that Q&A, or of course you can tweet us at MBH Podcast. I don't want to drag this out, so let me just get through this quickly. Send us an email to letters at makebelieveheroes.com. We just finally updated our homepage with some things that you can check out at makebelieveheroes.com, so go check that out. If you've been listening so far and you've liked our show and you want to support us and help us, the best way you can do that is by telling your friends to listen, giving us that five-star review on iTunes if you just haven't taken the time to do that. That helps us get the word out, and it also lets us know that you're enjoying it. So, of course, many of the sound effects in this episode did come from BattleBards, so go over there and check it out. You can go now to BattleBards.com and get a 15% off of a BattleBards Prime subscription using the code MBHPODCAST. That's enough for me. I know that you're ready, and I'm ready for you to hear it. So, with no further ado, here's the finale to Season 1. The Grove, the Tree, and the Stone. This season on Make Believe Heroes. Find the elf, the dark bolt, and bring him to me. I would like for you and servants to go on this holy mission. Find the tree and protect the stone. Do you understand now? Uh, yeah. What can I do to help? This soulless ginger who is so <laughs> unsure of himself is supposed to be the one. Vance, I don't know what to tell you. Our faith and our trust must be in Palor. I believe that you can help him. I believe that he will be led by the god, but I believe that you will be the arm that wields the sword. Uh, you can call me Jimalil. Jimabwoyo? Uh, J 
Jamalil. Jamalil. <laughs> His name is Jim. J Jim. You can call me Jim if you would like. You said something about adventure? Yeah. My name is Kellen. Killin. Kellen Dimble. Breathes there the man with soul so dead who never to himself hath said, This is my own, my native land? If such there breathes, go, mark him well. For him no minstrel raptures swell. Mom, you need to come with me back to the Kellen. house. Dad, Dad needs you. Just accept it, Lorik. I, I take the sanction. I let it go. I, I'm sorry. No. Lizard bats. Ah. Delicious. I remember the shapeless, formless substance, almost a sort of gas, but it was somehow still felt oily. That's weird. And it spoke to me. Welcome to the jungle. It's the king of all the lemurs. Zabumafu. Zabumafu, <laughs> they call him. You may call me Siluan. Hello, welcome. Welcome to the Corrine. She has coffee-colored skin. She's no more than around four feet tall. Her eyes burn with the same light that surrounds her as she steps towards you, her hands outstretched with a mischievous smirk on her face. Jim, when did you meet Petonia? Hail, travelers. I am Ovi, guardian of the grove. Speak now. Why have you come to this place? Great tree. Light tree. Black stone. Yeah, that that's it. Can can you help me get there? Lark, you immediately uh, recognize Saluan. And you see far up ahead a great staircase leading to the left and to the right in an alternating fashion. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should just turn around. How, okay, I, you turn around. I need to heal you. And he puts his hand on the door. Lorik, wait. And an unnatural tune sounds from the door. As the scalp of Prevalian glows blue like the sea. But then it begins changing from one color to the next. And you know that the scallop of Prevalian has multiple colors across the top of it. And the moment that your hand touches the emblem... Your head snaps back and your eyes burn with a piercing, bright blue light. Oh no. And you feel the same electric power that you felt the moment that you touched the Lantern of Provalian in the heart of Venthaven. The rest of you see, as from Lark's eyes, mouth, ears, and hands, no. comes a brilliant blue fire that pours out from his body as he lets out a scream. Ah! And the fire pours out from him into the scallop of Provalian embossed on the door. And after a few moments, the last of the fiery magic pours out of Lorik, and he drops onto the floor. It swirls around the room as it's being sucked into the door, and as this whirlwind of flame and power radiates over the top of you all, and Lorik is on the ground, Saluan falls to her knees and wraps her arms around him. The last of the flame disappears into the scallop, and it lets out a final tone, and then there's a last click in the door. Lorik! Wake up, Lorik, wake up. The door opens. As it does, a blinding bright light fills the room. Each of you cover your eyes, but it seems as if the light will consume you. It's so bright that your flesh does nothing to protect you from it. Your hands over your eyes, it's like they're not even there. It's a bright and warm light on your skin, almost hot. Blinded by this light, disoriented and confused, suddenly you feel a lurching feeling in your gut. And then, everything fades to white.
I need everyone to roll me a d20. Oh, oh. No. Here we go. Nine. Lorik got an 11. I got a four. There we go. I got a 17. As you wake, your eyes are struggling to adjust. There's still a lot of bright light emanating from all around you as you're coming to, and after a few seconds of trying to catch your bearings, you each notice many things at once. First, there's a giant tree a good little distance in front of you. It is, hands down, the largest tree that any of you have ever seen. It towers above you, and it spreads out in every direction, its great branches stretching out in a canopy before you. Above this tree, the sky is blotted out by the growth of vines, flowers, branches, thorns, and all sort of shrubbery. While this has been present in other areas of the grove, here it seems as if the growth above you and behind you has excelled in its growth unlike anything that you've ever seen. It's more lush, it's fuller, it's greener. And you can only assume that this is due to the sunlight that is currently shining out from the leaves of this tree in every direction. Rising to your feet and looking around you, you each feel the warmth of this tree's light down to your core. Tears rise and come to your eyes unbidden as each of you realize that this light is not the light of the sun, which is what you've thought this whole time. Oh, man. You would swear that the sun gathered its light from this tree. That is awesome. You look around. There stands Guy. Silent tears streaming down his face, his wand in his hand. Sir Vance is standing beside him in awe overcome by the fact that he can feel the power of the gods themselves washing over him in the light of this tree. Lorik, for the first time since you all met him, seems completely settled and firm in his footing. He isn't jittering, stuttering, or shuffling his feet. Kellen is there, on Charlie's back. Charlie's staring blankly upward, looking from side to side, while Kellen weeps openly, as he feels for the first time in a long time, true peace. Jeez. And then you see Jim. Oh, gosh. Jim is yards ahead of you, mm. just a few feet from the tree. He's down on the grass. His body is trembling and writhing. From his purple robes, you see tendrils of black smoke rising from across his body. His hair has fallen down over his face as his body jerks and convulses, rolling on the ground with his hands covering his face as if he's trying to shield himself from the light around him. And standing just a couple feet past Jim is Saluan. Oh my gosh. You can see her clearly in the light of the tree. Blood has clotted her leather armor to her side where the wound is broken free from its packing. You can all see her clearly as she reaches forth and strokes the bark of this great tree. Saluin. I sprint forward Saluin, with stop. my sword drawn. You call out. You're running forward. She glances back. Tears are flowing down her face silently as she looks back. Her lips pulled up in a smile of pure, unadulterated joy. 
Thank you, she says. Thank you so much. I can, I can hardly believe it. I've, I've finally found it. Vance, as you're running forward, you guys are calling out. I'm assuming that all of you are probably rushing forward. Are you all rushing forward? Yep. Apparently, I'm on the ground writhing. Yeah, you're, you're doing something different, Jim. <laughs> Lork cast hold person on Saluan. Let me just roll. She does not respond in any way. The moment that you raise your wand to try and do something, she brings the antler from the autumn stag, which she's been carving on for a few days now, up to her lips. And it's in the shape of a sort of flute, like an instrument. Jeez. Lark, you raise your wand toward her. Kellen, you and Charlie are riding forward, Servants rushing with your Odachi drawn. But before any of you can really make it more than just a few steps and do anything, she begins to play. that you hear the tune rise from her lips you're back in that vision and you hear that music and it's this song oh my gosh as she's playing the tree begins to sway the melody is beautiful haunting it's a song of sorrow one filled with regret it's not a long tune but as it's played each of you stops running forward your hands drop to your sides. You drop your weapons. You fall down on your knees. And you're overcome by great sorrow. Not despair. This is not a song of despair. It's a song of the sorrow of regret. The sort of sorrow that's only born from loss. then, with a great creaking groan, the tree begins to open up before you. And from within comes a much greater light even than that of its leaves. Bright tendrils of light stretch from all sides within the tree itself like tendons holding muscle. But after a moment, as your eyes adjust to that light inside, you can see that these tendrils of pure light meet in the very center of the tree, each adjoined to a smooth black stone. In spite of the radiant light of the tendrils, the stone lets off no reflection on its surface. It's entirely unaffected by the light, as if the light touches the stone and then ceases to exist. Revia, is the song still playing? The song is finished, and she is still standing there weeping, and Jim is still writhing and crying out on the ground. And you have a moment right here if any, if you guys want to react, if you want to pick up your weapons and run again, come back to yourselves, move toward her, go ahead. Yep. Lorik, broom, wand, flies towards her. 
Saluan, please just stop. Every, it's gonna be okay. I can help you. Sir Vance, what are you doing? Picking up my sword and running at her. Kellen, I'm drawing my bow. Are you running toward her, or are you staying where you are? I'm staying where I am. Guy is running behind you all with his wand. He's sobbing, weeping. You guys rush forward, and probably, I don't know, 20 feet or so from the tree is where Jim lays writhing, the smoke rising off of his back. You all are rushing toward him, running. She takes the horn that she's made. She lowers it, and as you all are rushing forward, suddenly those tendrils of smoke that are rising up off of Jim, they take form. They rise up like great black oily tentacles of power, and they grab each of you in place, including you, Kellen, as far back as you are. These tentacles reach back. They grab you, and they drag you forward, holding you in place, covering your mouths where you can't speak, and holding your arms to your side. There you all stand, restricted, unable to move, unable to cry out, unable to do anything. And before you is the tree. And just beyond Saluan, now naked to the eye, is the stone. She turns her back to you. She takes a deep breath as two black tendrils of power rise up out of her shoulders and then unfold like great wings of an oily black bat. Stretching these great black wings wide, she then plunges them into the tree and onto the stone. From the moment that she does so, the entire grove shudders as her power and the tree are locked into a sort of contest. Turning back to the group, she begins to speak. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that it had to be this way. And as she is saying these words, she's changing. She shifts in your vision. She changes. One minute she's Saluan. The next moment she is Elamir. I Larek, I, I thought that, that you would be dead. I I thought that the door would have killed you. The next moment, she is High Cleric Glaron. I honestly did. I'm not sure. I suppose that there must have been more of the flame of Prevalian in you than I had originally believed. The next moment, she is Mrs. Clark. I'm sure you all think me a monster, and I'm sure you all want to kill me and stop me. Then she's Irma. But before you do, let me, let me explain myself. And then she's Lorik. You see, the gods are not good. The gods are not kind. And then she's Guy. They took from me the most precious thing that someone can have. Love. And then Kellen. My beloved Fieran. He was taken from me. And then she's Jim. And what did the gods do to ease my pain? After all I had done for them? Then Sir Vance. After years and years of my loyal service to Atonia, what did Paylor do for me? How did Dervetter answer my prayers? 
By what? By doing what they do best. Nothing at all. And she begins to change one last time. She becomes a tall figure, certainly elven, with pale skin and hair as black as coal. She's dressed in a long, regal gown split at the thigh. Her iris are solid black, her lips ruby red, and on her brow sits a circlet of deepest obsidian, twisted and wicked. And she says these words, I am Dimvarga the Shapeless. I am the greatest of the Dracon Kelly. What? What did you just say? And now after all my years of searching, I've finally found it. The heart of the crooked father. And as that circlet forms in her head, you see in the very center a dark, swirling symbol. Finished now, she reaches down to you, Jim. Me? She draws from her waist a black blade, and she slices through your back. (laughs) Not your flesh, just your clothes. Oh. She cuts your robe of eyes right down the middle across your back. And she spreads it, revealing your naked back, exposed. And all of you can now see this tattoo of a great black dragon across his skin. Boy, you got a tat. (laughs) I didn't even know, Jim says. (laughs) These arms of power that are holding all of you are extending out from this tattoo on his back. They extend from this mark, and she says, Of course, Jim, how... How could I forget you, Jim? Leaning close to your face, she whispers, Are you ready for the knowledge I promised you? He's coming, Jim. Just wait. And when he does, you shall finally see the beginning of all things and the end of all things. And then she swipes her hand upward. And from the black mark on your back, Jim, comes rising up pure shadow. First, a great clawed hand. Then another reaching out over your shoulders. It reaches over and it grabs you by the shoulder, Jim, as it lifts itself up from your back, followed by two gigantic wings, and then a great gaping draconic maw ripped with sharp black teeth. Seeming somehow to be both liquid and solid, this enormous draconic figure pulls itself free from Jim's back as you scream in agony. The beast roars a screeching howl in chorus as it wraps its great black tail around the waist of Dimvarga. Thank you again for answering my call. If you had not trusted the vision that I sent to the foolish cleric, Lorik, then I could never have made it here. Hmm. I owe you a great debt. She steps forward to you, Lorik. Tall. She kisses you on the forehead. You could join me, Lorik. I truly... I did... I did come to care for you. I heard all of your prayers. I helped you. Would you... 
Would you join me, Lorik? You feel the shadowy substance around your face, around your mouth, start to loosen up just a little. It was really you the whole time? Yes, the whole time, Lorik. It was, it was always me. I'm sorry for the deception, but it was necessary. The paladin would never have trusted anything other than a vision from his holy and righteous and infallible Pelor. Time's running out, Lorik. Will you join me? Would you join me? You're... You're the one that answered me? I can come with you now? You can help me. We can take the stone, Lorik. We can take it. And with it, yes, it will bring about an ending, but also something new. The gods will answer for their crimes. Lorik looks her in the eye and says, Yes. Can I say a prayer in my mind? Absolutely. Hey, Lord, are you just going to let this witch make a mockery of your power? Just release me from this witch's evil power and I will slay her. Oh, boy. Sir Vance, roll me a religion check. Thirteen. Nothing happens immediately. But you are there next to Lorik, next to Guy. You can see all of your friends here. You can see Jim on the ground now. This great thing has peeled itself from his back, and there's just a raw place all over the back of his body where this thing has left him. And you don't feel anything. You don't hear anything. You don't sense anything, and you think that maybe maybe he is going to let it happen. Uh, it, it's been you the, the whole time. You're the first person to ever want to help me I'll I'll help you you see the gigantic shadowy dragon that is standing next to her with its tail wrapped around her waist lean down and look right into your face Lorik can I trust you Lorik and she comes in close and she kisses you he kisses back definitely kisses back he is channeling everything he ever felt for Saluan right now. How does Sir Vance feel about that? Sir Vance wants to kill both of them right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Vance, suddenly you feel a white, hot burning (laughs) around your chest. Oh, boy. The dragon stops and jerks his head towards you right as the shadowy black substance around your body breaks free. Ah! And you hit the ground on your feet. Now. Here we go. Here we go. Jim. Am I free yet? What's happening? You're not free yet. It's kind of interrupted. You're you're mid-smooch when this happens. Oh, yeah. Just right in the middle of a smooch. Jim, you're somewhere on the line between consciousness and unconsciousness. You can sort of hear what's going on, and you just feel hot white pain across your back. You feel like... All of your strength is drained out and that you'll just bleed into the ground here. Not that you're bleeding, but literally like your body will just melt into the ground and you'll just fade away. But now with this shadowy thing gone, you remember everything. Everything? You remember Dimvarga revealing herself to you as this great black serpent. And your mind is flooded with memories. Memory of being back there in that decrepit library summoning this thing that you now know to have been Dimvarga, the black dragon, 
one of the ten of the Dracon Kelly. You remember her proposal and the deal that you made there. Do you know who I am, Jim? A purveyor of truth. Yes, Jim. And you seek knowledge. That's correct. I can give you that knowledge, Jim. I am the Black Dragon, Dimvarga, <gasps> the Shapeless. But I can give you so much more than just a line of truth, Jim. I can show you everything. Yes. And with it, you will have great power. You will travel, Manumi, and you will uncover the greatest secrets that this world has to reveal. You will do so at my bidding, but this will be our little secret. So we have a deal. The knowledge of the multiverse, you say? Yes. Yes, Jim. And all I have to do is your bidding from time to time. Yes. And nothing naughty. No, of course not, Jim. All in the name of justice. Always. Justice I can get behind. Then you remember more, Jim. You remember Dimvarga possessing your body, performing heinous acts across this land. And now with the crushing weight of all that you have played party to at the hands of Dimvarga, this monster, your secret patron, hidden even from your own memories and your own thoughts for all of these years, for centuries, Jim. What will you do? As this is all happening above you, Jim, and your eyes are fading, weak, greatly hurt by the extraction of Dimvarga's beast, and you feel a warmth in your chest, and you hear a voice in your ear, Jim. It's the voice of Ovi. Ovi? The grandpa. Little elven person, you have brought darkness into the grove of Atonia. This is an act punishable by death. How would you seek to reconcile this great transgression? I would... Jim's trembling as he says this. I would commute the death from me to her. That sounds good to me. I'm afraid my power was not enough to stop her. I am no more what I once was, but a small portion of my power remains. It's with that that I'm speaking with you now. I would grant you that power, Jim. Would you take it? Gladly. Hmm. I suggest you use it well. Just before I do, you're not going to take my memories, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love your jokes, Jim. <laughs> and Jim, you feel warmth fill your bones, your members. And at once you are filled with strength. And as you are, these tendrils that have still been connected to you that were holding your friends down, draining your life force, they start to weaken as Ovi's power is coming into you. Servants. While that's happening to Jim, your feet hit the floor. What do you do? Cut them in half. <laughs> okay, what specifically? Like, what, you, what specifically are you trying to do? Cut them in half. <laughs> okay, there's a very, very large dragon, like gigantic, <laughs> and then there's her over there with Lorik. What are you? What are you trying to do? 
Cut them out. Who? <laughs> Which one? Who do you? There are there are many options here. The witch. Okay, you rush toward her and Lark, your Audachi drawn high, and you bring it swinging as hard as you can. And as you do, the dragon forms into a black shield, basically, a force field between you and her, just snaps itself in between, and you slash your Odachi across it. Uh, roll me an attack roll. That is a 19 plus 8. You can roll me a damage. 14 damage. You deal 14 damage to the side of this dragon as it extends its power outward, and it lets out a great roar. And in that moment, Kellen, Guy, and Charlie are all released. Jim, you stand to your feet. Trembling with anger, you made a fool of me. I was a fool, gullible, so eager for knowledge that I cast aside wisdom no more and with that she turns to Lorik she says Lorik I think you're trying to deceive me she turns around and Lorik you're released also from the shadow as she turns her back to you and begins walking toward the tree and the dragon spreads out and pushes you all backwards in fact it takes a swipe to swing and sling you all backwards and everybody make me a dexterity saving throw except for Jim Jim's kind of back behind it I rolled a 19 on the dice. I also got a 19 on the dice. 13. And Guy got also a 13. So Guy and Servants fail. They are pushed back about 20 feet. And you're not hurt or anything that just kind of slings you back. Lorik, you sort of duck up out of the way, which makes sense based on your position. And Kellen, you, I'm assuming, do a sort of jump and a leap off of Charlie and are able to miss the swipe, and you two are up within five feet of it. Jim, you are behind the dragon as Dimvarga, as she's walking toward the tree, and you all preparing yourself for battle. She says, Goodbye, my friends. I am sorry it had to be this way. And then she plunges her hands into the tree and disappears behind a large sphere of blackness flowing out from the dragon. The moment that her hands touched the stone, the tree lets out another shudder, and begins to shed leaves. As they fall, they flicker out one by one, and the light starts to dim. We are now in initiative order. Servants, let's fight a dragon. Mm. Let's do this. It's your turn. There is a great black dragon before you. So the dragon's in the waves. Yeah, there is a gigantic dragon between you and her. And she is covered with a shell that's created by the dragon itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take off running towards the dragon and try to jump and slash it. Okay. Roll it. A 14. That is a miss. That's going to be bad. We're going to get wrecked. Uh, We don't care if you get wrecked anymore. You do your first attack and it misses. You rush forward and the dragon just very deftly steps out of the way, growling. Attack again. That's a 24. That is a hit. Quick question. Do we still have the max HP from the food? Yes. Okay. Okay, that's 14. And I want to use divine smite. Okay. Smite it like you're divine. 12 radiant damage. 
Okay, so 26 total on that one? Yeah. Dang. The first time, it definitely slips out of the way. The second time, you bring your Odachi down across it, and as you do, it slices into its leg and burns with bright light from Pelor. Hmm. It growls back at you. And then, it is going to snap down at you with a bite. Yeah, that's definitely a hit. It's like a 26 or 25 or something. That's a hit. So, it bites down on you. Don't die. Please don't die. Uh, It rolled kind of poorly. You take 12 damage, piercing damage. That's not terrible. And you take 3 necrotic damage. It is going to bite down on you, Servants, on your shoulder, and it just kind of like does a striking bite and then back, and then it is going to swipe its claw at Lorik. What, Tracy? 13. Yep, that is non-natural 20. So you're going to take 11 damage. Ow. It swipes its claws at you, and it slashes across your side for 11 damage. Tim Varga, uh, you don't have to. I'm with you. You, you don't have to do this. Then it's going to fly up. It lifts up off the ground above you all. Wonderful. About 20 feet up. But it's still connected by a tendril to her. It's always tethered to her. And now it's your turn, Lark. Okay. Lark is going to uh, run up to where she's at, where the wall of energy's at surrounding her. And first he's going to cast Melf's Minute Meteors. So he raises his wand and he like touches six different points in the air behind him. Mm -hmm. And these little tiny black and red balls of like fire start floating around and they're just kind of circling behind his back. Okay. Tim Varga, let me in. I can help you. I, I can help you get the stone. You can trust me, and then I'm going to shoot one of the meteors. Okay. So the way it works is, as a bonus action, I can send one or two of the meteors flying towards the point that I choose, and it explodes. Each creature within five feet of the point where the meteor explodes must make a dexterity saving throw, and it's 2d6 or half that on a save. Okay. See, I'll help you, and he shoots one of those meteors at the feet of surveillance. Okay, are you trying to hit him? I'm trying to get it to explode at his feet so that he takes damage, yes. Okay, and he needs to make what kind of save? Dexterity saving throw. All right, Sir Vance, make me a dexterity saving throw. That is a non-natural 20. It's a save, so you take half damage? Yep. 2d6? I rolled 7. Okay, so you take 3 damage, Sir Vance, from an exploding meteor that hits next to your feet. That's the end of my turn. Jim. It's your turn. Yes. So she's in what appears to be an impenetrable shell, right? From what you can tell, it is a shell of shadow created by the dragon. So would Jim think that a spell that attacks one's psyche would pierce that shadow? I mean, I don't know. You wouldn't necessarily think that a physical shield would stop that sort of thing from happening. Okay. So Jim looks at her and whispers dissonantly. Okay. The shapeless. Oh, I'll show you shapeless. (laughs) What kind of save is this? Uh, Wisdom. And then the shape of water plays in her mind. Okay. Or the shape of you plays in your mind. He has a 19, so it is a save, but she still takes half damage, right? Right. Roll me that damage. Roll that beautiful damage footage. 
and it's uh, 19. Psychic. So she takes none. Yes. There is no audible response. So you, you don't know if it's affected her or not. But you do know that the tree is still shuddering. You stay where you are. So where am I in relation to everything? You're right up next to the tree. Kellen and uh, Servants are... Well, Servants ran forward. So Kellen and Guy are pretty far back. Everybody else is probably within about 20 feet of you facing off. Well, they were facing off the dragon. Now the dragon has flown above you all. How far above us? Mm, about 20 to 30-ish feet. Okay. Kellen, it's your turn. Kellen is looking at the situation. Mm-hmm. And first he wants to say, Really, Lorik? Were you not taught bros before does? Really? And he's going to look in his bag and he's going to pull out something that he hasn't seen for a while. And he's going to pull out an arrow of slaying. Ooh. Okay. He's going to say, like, I guess a little prayer or something. He's like, I'll get to that one eventually. I promise you. But I really need this right now. And he's going to shoot it at the giant dragon. I mean, you can shoot it at the dragon, but that thing is, like, attuned to owlbears. I know. It's not going to do any more damage, though? Um, I mean, I figured that it did at least more than a regular ammo. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good arrow. So, I mean, um, it doesn't have the magical, like, quote, slaying property when it's shooting a dragon, but we can say that it is definitely a better arrow. So maybe it'll do a little extra damage. Okay, like how much? <laughs> like double damage. Okay, double damage. All right, that's fine because, like, with Albers, it does six d10. Yes. Extra damage? Mm-hmm. So yeah, nothing like that. Mm. You need an arrow of dragon slaying. Wow. Yeah. What happens if I shoot it at Lorik? Same thing. Okay. I'm gonna shoot it at the dragon then. That's a sixteen plus nine. That's a hit. Yeah. Yeah boy. Oh yeah. Two D eights. Two D eights. You're um, rolling two D eights. Seven plus two plus four. Thirteen damage. Yep. You sink an arrow into this black, oily substance, and the arrow just disappears into it. It roars looking down at you, Kellen, and then it is going to swoop down and try and claw at you. Okay. Okay, what's your AC? It's a 16. You got a 16, exactly. What is... Okay. So, you take 12 damage. Not good. And now it's Guy's turn. Guy cries out, Lorik, what are you doing? She lied to us. You can't you can't help her. You're gonna just turn on Servants like that? And he's going to cast magic missile at you, Lorik. Bring it. Bring it, guy. It's what you you deserve it. Bring it. I taught you that spell. Bring it. I'm gonna cast it back. Yeah, this is real hard for Guy. Oh. Max damage. Take twelve damage, not max. Two fours and a one. Guy casts Magic Missile. These three darts come flying as you hear him crying out, Lorik, and you can see that he's he's still crying. He's not recovered. And tears are flowing down his face as he raises his wand towards you, not with gusto, but with regret. And you feel three force darts pierce into your body with force damage. At that moment, the dragon swoops again, and he claws at Guy. Oh, man. Oof. He hits him. Oh, snap. God takes 13 points of damage. Mm. So this dragon comes swooping down as Guy casts a spell towards you, and 
it swipes two long claws down into him. And he takes 13 damage. Guy cries out. He's not down or anything, but it hurt real bad. He's not on the level with you guys. Lorik, as these darts hit your chest from Guy and you're feeling all of that, you hear a voice from behind you at the tree. You hear Demvarga, and she says, Lorik, I don't think I can trust you. And roll me a persuasion check. Okay, that's an 18 on the dice, and my persuasion... It's plus one. Oh my gosh. Don't give me that crap, Paul. <laughs> bull, and you know it. Oh, um, I rolled a natural 20. I'm looking at it. It's all right. It's all right, I ain't stopping. I'll kill one of them, you'll see. You'll let me in. Please, they're going to they're gonna kill me before I get in. Lorik, you're a lot of things, but not a good liar. As long as I've known you, you've had one solitary purpose... To find the stone and save it. Why should I believe otherwise now? You'll see. I'll kill one of them. You do that, Lorik. You murder one of your friends in cold blood. And we'll see. And now it's Servance's turn. Did I hear any of that? You're not that far away. So, yeah. Theoretically. Okay. I'll say you could probably hear it. Okay. Well... I guess I'm going to kill Warwick. So you're not going to say anything to him? You're just going to run up and try to kill him? Speaking is a free action, so long as it's not like a 10-minute conversation. This can't be Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> no, this is not Dragon Ball Z. My power level is rising. Warwick, what are you doing? I'm going with the only person who ever helped me. Oh, is that so? So we've never helped you. Lord just he 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 glances at you. At Dimvarga, he's going to kill me. Okay, I'm gonna run full speed and try to plunge my sword right beside his face into the black wall. I'm gonna say that you don't have to roll to stick your sword into a wall. I mean roll me a D twenty, just to make sure you don't like nat one. And cut Lord's face off. Is that what you're wanting to do? Just cut his face <laughs> no. off? Roll me a D twenty. That is a non. Okay, that's fine. You you rush forward and you stab the Odachi into the black shadowy substance. Roll me some damage. It's 11 plus 5 is 16. Jeez. And I was also wanting to use a second level Divine Smite. Okay. Wow, that's 10 radiant damage. Okay. You stab your sword into this black shield right beside Lorik's face. And when you do, this pulsing radiance burns into it. And the dragon that's currently flying above you guys lets out a screech. The dragon screeches and then swoops down, coming towards you. And the wall's still there? It shuddered for a minute, but it's still there. Like, it cuts through it, and then it just closes back up. I, like, pull the sword back and do a jumping mm -hmm. slash towards it. Like, I would try to jump through during the slash. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Roll it. That is a 17 plus 8, so a 25. Okay. You slash it and roll me the damage. That's 12 plus 5, 17. Good God in heaven. Why don't you just keep doing buckets of damage? That was max damage. <laughs> <laughs> you jump and slash your sword across it to sort of try and shoulder through it. And you might get just a 
an inch or two of your shoulder into it, but it closes, and when it closes, it closes inward, like around your shoulder, and pushes you back out. Mm. Dragon is swooping down towards you now, and it is going to try and claw you. Does a, yeah, a 21. Hit your AC. 10 damage. Take 10 slashing damage from a claw across your back as you're trying to claw through this thing. This dragon steps forward, booming. Then it is going to do the same thing it did last time. It is going to bite you, Servants. Hmm, that's not great. Does a 15 hit your AC? No. Okay, the first one misses. Then it's going to try again. Oof, this one is a hit. That is 15 damage. So it misses you the first time, and then it swoops around and bites at you again. This time it hits you, and uh, you take 15 piercing damage from its bite. You feel four more damage as necrotic energy seeps into the wound. It's the second time you've felt this. And then the dragon is going to swoop upward. It's going to fly up, and as it does, you have an opportunity to, to make an opportunity attack. You know it. Hit him. That's a natural one. Oh, no. Okay. You lunge forward to try and make an opportunity attack on it, and uh, you miss it. And actually, one of its claws sort of hooks the sword from your hand and yanks it loose from your grip, and it flies about 10 feet and hits the ground. You're going to have to go pick it up next turn. And I'm going to say that that's going to cost you a second attack on your next turn. Okay. Now, it is Lorik's turn. Lark. Servance is standing right next to you. He is. Did you just drop your weapon? No, it was taken from him. That's true. But don't think I don't have more. Lorik turns. <laughs> he does. And he looks at Guy. Guy's the one who hit him with magic missile, right? Mm-hmm. And he mouths one word. Is it a Vatacadaver? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Technically, that's two <laughs> words. And he goes, Him Varga, you need to let me in. They're going to kill me. And he raises his wand, points it at Guy. Oh, God. And at second level is going to cast the magic missile. What the heck are you doing? I want in. I told you exactly what I'm going to do. Let me in. No, I know what, you, I know what you're doing. I'm just saying, what the heck are you doing? Roll me the damage. Lark doesn't plan to make it out of this, does he? No. You're walking on a one-way street toward someone here is going to kill you before this is all said and done. It's four darts, right? Mm-hmm. I almost rolled max damage. Four, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen total damage. Four darts come firing out of your wand. They sort of hesitate right before they leave your wand. They stutter in the air for a second. If someone was looking closely, they might could tell that maybe your heart's not exactly in it. But it doesn't matter. Four darts fly forward. One, two, three, four. They crash into Guy, and the last one hits him in the forehead, and his head rocks back, and he falls down. There's no other proof I can give. As soon as that happens, she says, I can't believe it. You truly meant it. And the dragon comes swooping back down out of the sky. And as it does, a tendril of darkness shoots out from its leg toward Guy. And the darkness sticks into his back. And Guy is brought up from the ground. And his eyes open. And they are solid 
black. And he brandishes his wand. And now it is Jim's turn. Jim stalks across the battlefield. And as he does, he holds out his hand and mutters a word. And a shadow blade Mm. shows up. Yes. So would you say it's dim light in here? I would say that, yes, it has, in fact, become dim light. And the whole time that you guys are fighting, these leaves are trickling off of the tree and flickering out of light. So I fling into the dragon. Mm -hmm. I got a nat 20. Oh, boy. (laughs) Thank goodness. Roll it. And so this is 3d8, so that means it's 68. Mm. That's intense. So You guys are doing a lot of damage. So I'm stalking forward, and I say, you think you're the only one to lose somebody? Kellen lost someone. I've lost people. We've all lost people. Yes, it's the plan of the gods, but it doesn't excuse more evil, if it could be even called evil. And I fling the blade. You fling the shadowy blade, and it pierces into this thing. And when it does, it lets out a screech. It seems to be pretty heavily affected by that blade. Uh, I continue across to where Sir Vance and crew are at, and I am going to use two-weapon fighting to fling a dagger at the shell wall thing. So uh, I throw the thing, and then I throw the dagger, and that is a natural one. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that that's... No. Sir Vance... Dagger sticks in your leg for one damage. Jeez. It's all that coming. Because you are standing right there in front of it. Good times. Just one damage, though. I rolled a d4. It was a one. I say to him, oh, my bad. (laughs) It is Kellen's turn, but before Kellen does anything, the dragon is going to turn, and it is going to fly back towards you, Jim. Jim looks at it. 15, Beach Racy? Yes, handily. Okay. You take nine slashing damage as it flies past you and then scratches you with its claws. So what's the con save for? It's ten. Yeah. You have to beat a ten. Ten? Isn't mm-hmm. it plus the damage you take? It's not. It's either it's either ten or half the damage you took, whichever is higher. Oh, okay. Uh, I get a thirteen. Okay, so you are maintaining concentration. Kellen, it is your turn. The dragon lands by you, Jim. By the way. I'm glaring at it. Okay. I just watched guy get shot with missiles. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just turn and look at Lorik. You really have turned into a monster. That's what you've turned into. And how far away is it? It's like 20 feet, right? He's about 30 feet from you. Um, twenty. I, I'd say that you could potentially get to him in one turn, but there is a big dragon between you and him. I thought it was near Jim. Yeah, Jim's between you. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying you can't get cool. to him. I'm saying there is a dragon there. So it would get an opportunity attack, obviously. Yeah, I think Kellen's that mad. I think he's really upset now. Okay. Yeah. I say he's going to run to him. All right. He got a 14 on the dice plus his attack modifier. I think that beats your 16, right? I guess. I don't know his attack modifier, but I assume so. Well, do you think it's less than a two? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably you a one. He is a dragon. 
You take non-damage from a slash as it okay. claws you as you run past. Kellen doesn't even notice it. Okay. He's that furious. All right, now what are you trying to do? He is going to place Hunter's Mark on Loric. Okay. And he's going to attack him twice with two dual-wielded swords. Okay. Now, Loric, you do know that the reason everyone is attacking you is because you're trying to be very, very convincing. Yep. You literally told Servants that she was the only one that ever helped you. That is a 15 on the dice. That's an 18 on the dice. Those both hit. So, is that going to drop you? What's your current HP? 34. No, I think it'll drop you. It's a 3, a 4, and a 2, Okay. plus 4. Okay, so 13 damage. But Lorik, as that is coming out, as he rushes forward and begins to slash at you, the shadowy shield behind you lurches forward a little bit, and it actually catches the second blade before it can hit you. And so you're going to take about four less than that. We're getting there. I just went in. So from the time that you guys showed up, Charlie has been afraid. And since he is afraid, he's unable to approach the dragon. And now that it's his turn again, he is going to make another save. And that is an eight. So Charlie is still hunkering back as far as he can be from the dragon moving in that direction. Uh-oh. That's bad. Now it's Guy's turn. Servants. Yes. You see Guy stepping towards you all, slowly, on the other side of the dragon. The dragon is growling and, and up next to Jim. And he holds up his wand, and issuing out of it comes this bubbly black ball of energy. And then with a flick of his wrist, he fires it at you. Does a 16 hit your AC? Uh, my, my AC is 16. That is a hit, then. You take... Oh, crap. You take 19 necrotic damage as this black ball of energy just strikes into your chest. Well, I'm down, then. Are you seriously down? Yeah. Oh, crap. Servants, you feel this energy hit you in the chest and it burns all the way up your body, all the way up your neck. Jim, you're standing there facing off with this dragon, your shadow blades in hand, spinning around it, and the dragon stops and lets out a sniff, and then it turns its head towards Servants, and another tendril fires out. Servants, I need you to make me a constitution saving throw. The 14. Oh, man. Needed a 15. Vance, you go unconscious, and at that moment, a tendril of energy makes contact with your body. Servants is lifted up from the ground by this tendril. And then he opens his eyes, and they roll back solid black. Lark, you hear a voice from inside the bubble. Lark, your friends are going down one by one. Can it be true? It's been true the whole time. I dropped Guy. I don't want to die. Let me in. Roll me a deception check. Do I get advantage because I killed someone? Sure. <laughs> Lorik is not charismatic enough for this crap. It's a 15. I never thought that I would experience love again, Lorik. They took my beloved from me. If they just left me be. Together, 
Perhaps we can bring the gods to their knees, Lorik. An opening appears. It's not your turn, but as for your reaction, you can begin stepping toward it. I would like to do that. Okay, you're not like in the bubble, but you're walking toward it. Yep. And you're right there next to it. You know, you've begun your entrance. Servants. Attack Killen. Oh, gosh. As hard as you possibly can. Is he close enough to me? I guess he is. Yeah, he attacked Lorik in the last turn. I'll say you can't use, like, Divine Smite. Right. But, you know, like your your swords. So that is a 19. That's a hit, right, Kellen? Yep, that's a hit. All right, 2d6 plus 5. Plus 4. Plus 4? So that's 9 damage. Okay, you take 9 damage, Kellen. Oh, boy. Hit him again. This ain't going good. That's a 14. 14 does not hit your AC, right, Kellen? It does not. However, the wound from the first one burns with a necrotic filth, and you take seven necrotic damage, Kellen. Jeez. Lork, what are you doing? Stop! Charlie comes running forward, Kellen. He has been this whole time afraid. He could not move forward. He wanted to, but he could not. And now, he is going to, after seeing you get attacked, make another save. He saves from his fright, and he's going to run towards you and try and get you out of there. He's not, he can't get to you and attack or anything. It's going to take his whole turn to get to you, because he's been moving away from you. But he is coming to try and get you out of there. Now, the dragon turns. Jim looks at you and lifts up off the ground. You can take an opportunity to attack if you'd like to. Yes. With my uh, hand. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm figuring my green blade, or my hex, my shadow blade. I thought you could summon it with a bonus action. Yeah, but I took the ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I threw the dagger. Right. So, so I am an one. unarmed strike. Okay. Dragon. We'll slap him. You punch the shadow dragon. You punch it. It is 18. Okay. That's a hit. It does two damage. Okay. You don't even roll for that. He takes two damage. You punch it in, in just frustration and fury as it lifts up off the ground. It swoops around its long black tail flying back toward the tree where it is connected to the great bubble that is currently protecting Dimbargo. And it swoops around and it swells and grows and stretches out in every direction. It's black oily wings vibrating as it holds itself just right and it fills its shadowy lungs and it breathes a black fire toward all of you. Great. I need everybody except for Lorik, to make me a dexterity saving throw. I mean, do I have to? You mean killing the gym? You don't have to make a dexterity saving throw, Servants, but you're still going to get hit by it because you're in the way. Yeah. You said a dexterity saving throw? Yes. 16. 23 non-natural. 16 and 23? Okay. You both save. You're both going to take half damage. So. All right. Woo. You take... 15 damage. Split between the two of us. No. 
You both take 15 necrotic damage. Okay. Now, Servants, you and Guy both suffer one death saving failure. Oh goodness. This is this is not good. Lorik, it's your turn. So Lorik's gonna continue walking into the bubble. You step into the bubble. Is she in there? It's gotten darker everywhere. But even inside the bubble, the light is shining from the ground, the tree, it's just everything is just radiating with this light and this energy. She is standing there, her hands are firmly placed on this black stone. She is trembling as all of her power is being sunk into this stone. You can see black energy flowing out of her like a river into this opening in the tree. But you can also see that a couple of those tendrils of light are hanging now, limp, as if they've been snapped free from the stone. Oh, man. And as you step in and the bubble closes behind you, she says, Lorik, I, I, I... I'm so happy. I didn't believe. I'm sorry for doubting you. I, I'm so glad you'll be with me. We're going to see so many things together. Yes, we we are together. I I'm I'm so glad you let me in. And Lorik's gonna like reach out and touch your arm. She turns and looks at you. Her hands still inside the tree grasping the stone and you can feel especially now that your hand is made contact with her flesh as the power is just radiating off of her and through her she's a she's a conduit for all of this energy coming from you assume the tree the stone it's like you can feel the roots beneath the ground and as she turns back to look at you she shrinks a little and in your eyes she is saluan wow like the first time you ever saw her. Uh, it's been... It's been a long time, Lorik, since I felt anything close to what I'm feeling now. And we will bring the gods to their knees. And I'm glad that you'll be with me all the way to the end. Lorik smiles whenever she says to the end. Yes, we'll be together till the end. But there's one thing you should know. Yes, Lorik. She leans in close. The only people who've ever done anything for me are my friends, the ones outside. And then he's going to take his wand. He leans in. He's going to cast Fireball between them. And just as the bead of energy is forming out of the tip of the wand, he's going to real quickly just give her a quick peck on the lips and just smile and stare in her eyes as the fire erupts around them. As the fire ignites and explodes around you, it also sets off a chain reaction that causes all of the miniature meteors flying around your body to explode in unison. And suddenly inside the tree, Lark, you and Dimvarga are engulfed in flame hotter than anything you've ever felt, ever experienced. And it's over as quickly as it began, before you have a moment to scream, Lorik. In a flash of red, orange, blue, your vision fades to black.
she's gonna make a save. What's the DC on that? Um, 16. It's not really her making the save. I mean, it is, but it's not. You gotta understand something. The Dracon Kelly, the dragons, are next to gods. And the way that her dragon, which is her, you understand that? I know. Is operating is it's her human shield. So the save is to see if it can cover her in time. But she does not save. It's a total of 63 damage. What's your current hit point value? His current was 25. Okay, so you still had 25? Yep. And what's your max? 46. It does not kill you. That's amazing. You were eight hit points away from killing yourself. That does not mean you're not wrecked. An explosion goes off next to the tree. All of you outside, including the dragon, notice as flame and fire shoots out and the shadowy bubble that was around the tree guarding it is just disintegrated as a gigantic ball of flame along with all these little meteors go off and explode and it's just a resounding explosion and flame just going off and more leaves in a big wave just blow off of the tree you all turn and look and as the dust is settling the smoke is clearing from the explosion you see Lorik on the ground his clothes are on fire and you see Dimvarga on her knees with both hands firmly inside the tree on the stone. And the dragon roars and swoops down toward her. And Jim, it's your turn. Jim? Please, God, so, Jim, kill her. How far is Jim from her? Oh, 15 feet? 20 feet? Okay, so Jim crosses that distance on the way, winks another shadow blade into existence, and tries to just drive it through her back. Okay. That is a 21. It's a hit? Yes. That's 3d8. Come on, big rolls. 19 damage. Oof. Please let that be the magic number. And then I want to produce my other dagger. And make another attack. Okay. That is a 22. It's a hit. So a dagger is just 1d4, I believe. Mm-hmm. And because it's my offhand weapon, I don't get to add the thing. That's correct. So it is a 3. So 22 altogether. 19 psychic damage and 3 uh, piercing stab her in the back with the shadow blade. Yeah, I do. And then you bring the dagger around, spin it, and stick it up into her back. You deceived me, made a fool of me, but you've taught me so much as well. She's gasping for breath. Jim, we had a deal. Yes, and I've reneged. There's a dragon roaring from behind it comes flying down again and it unleashes another breath of black flame everyone's caught up in it but this time it's real bad everybody make me a save constitution ha I got a 9 that's a 19 plus 2 so 21 you take 18 points of damage Kellen 
What's your HP? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's two. He's up. I'm at two. Jim, you take 36 points of damage. That's my exact HP. So Vance, you take another death save failure. So does Guy. Lorik. Mm-hmm. So do you. I'm so dead. But Jim, that dragon's burning its fire down on you, and you go limp, unconscious. Kellen, you're standing there, and you're, you get wrecked by this flame. Charlie is burnt away by it. Guy stepping forward. Guy falls down onto a knee, just wrecked by this flame. Sir Vance is blown back against the, the tree by this flame. Lorik, it's licking up around you with this black necrotic flame, and as it's hitting her, it's just pouring into her back. As it's doing so, she's screaming. The shadowy blade that was in her back is gone. But the dagger's still there, and it's pouring into her back, and she is leaning back, and you can see as she's swelling with this power. Her arms, her legs, everything swells with these black veins, and her head is thrown back, and she is screaming, and she is pulling with all of her might at this stone. And she is pulling and pulling and pulling, and then you guys hear this as the stone breaks free from the tree. And then back she falls, and the dragon falls down onto her. And then when she smacks the ground, just this shadow smacks the ground around her in a silhouette of a great dragon. And on her chest sits a black stone. Kellen. Yep. Sir Vance is lying on the ground. His breath is shallow. Guy is lying on the ground. Barely breathing. Lorik is back up against the tree, crumpled up, his clothes still burning with fire. I need everyone that is down to make me a death saving throw. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, no. I got a natural 20. I promise it's right here. He oh really got my a natural gosh, 20. Sir Vance. Oh my he gosh. really got a natural 20. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is amazing. Thank you. Lorik. 14. I got a natural 11. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen, all your friends are down. Dimvarga is lying over there on her back. She's not moving. Stone's sitting on her chest. God, please, God, go kill her. You roll natural 20, Servants, you immediately awake hmm. with one hit point. Now, you're not just hopping up. Kellen is going to have an opportunity to do something before you can interact. But what is happening is that thing on your chest, that symbol, it's glowing again. And the radiant power of Palor starts to course through you. And it is expelling all of that darkness that was in you, and it is slowly reviving you. We came here to do a job, guys. <laughs> Honestly, from the beginning, I didn't think I was going to make it anyways. So I'm going to one last time, I'm going to go dual wield. 
I want to attack her. You walk over. You're erect. You go slowly. I'm stumbling. You're (laughs) covered in burns. Every movement hurts. Charlie just got dusted again. And you step toward her, and she is lying on her back. And she has the stone in her hands. And she's not moving, and there's black, oily goop pouring out from different wounds all over her body. That wound on her side is just pouring ooze. And she looks up at you, and her eyes are heavy. But she sees you staying there, and she says, (coughs) Kellen. What what will you do, Kellen? What do you what do you mean? We're in. I mean, what kind of situation do you think this calls for? What will you do when he when he <coughs> when he comes, Kellen? I reckon I'm not gonna make it past this point, and I'm gonna slice her. What will you do when he comes? I don't want to hear nothing else. You bring your swords up. Yep. And you, what, you want to plunge them down into her? No, I'm coming across her throat. You bring your swords up. You go to bring them down across her throat. Just a moment, just a second, just a millisecond before your swords can connect with her flesh. That stone pulses. (laughs) The pulse stops you, Kellen. You hear something. You hear a low rumbling. And then you hear something moving. And all the light and all the leaves in the tree snuffs out. And then you hear something. Something, it's strange at first. You're not sure what it is, but then you you recognize it. It's the sound of great chains she chuckles (coughs) what will you do Kellen and then you see when that pulse stopped you it froze you for just a second and you bring the blades down across her neck her head rolls back from her body and from the hole in her neck pours this black ooze But the stone sinks into her chest. It sinks into her chest and the oozy black flesh that's pouring free from her now closes around it. And Kellen, staggering back, you step back as flying up out of her chest comes this great arm, a great claw sticks to the ground and it picks itself up and standing before you is that black dragon, but now it's headless and its wings stretch out and you feel a thundering rumble come from deep in its chest as it launches itself upward and outward and away from you. What? Servance, you wake sitting up and your eyes open just in time to hear her say, what will you do to see her head cut free and then this thing crawl out of her chest and fly away. Uh, You're wrecked. You have one hit point. Yeah. Lorik is over there dying. 
first I go, I, I mean, I'll give myself like five hit points from my play on hands. Yeah. Just so I can move around. Mm-hmm. Then I'll go over to Guy. Guy, sorry I couldn't protect you and put my hand on him, give him 20 hit points from the lay on hands pull. You put your hand on Guy and you say that and you summon your energy, your health. You pour it into him. And there is no response. No response? See, when you guys rolled a uh, death saving throw, so did Guy. And he rolled a nine. Oh my gosh. And uh, that was his third death saving throw. Sir, Sir Vance? I'm never playing D&D again. Are you okay? Sir Vance? What? Is he alright? Sir Vance? Guy is still... Is he hurt? Bad? What? What's going on? I want to move over towards Guy. Guy is lying there. His eyes are open. Servants reaches down. Why won't he wake up? Closes Guy's eyes. Puts his hands over his chest. And walks over to Lorik's body. And plunges my old greatsword through his chest oh into the ground. Sir, Sir Vance, he... It doesn't matter what you say. I don't think... I don't think it was, he was trying... I think he was trying to do something different. I don't... <sighs> so, Lorik, that gives you two death fails, right? That is correct. You stab him in the chest and he coughs blood out. <laughs> Sir, Sir Vance, stop. There's no need for even more death... I go and pick up my Odachi. We no, sir. I want to grab Sir Vance. You pick it up. Stop. And I push Kellen off of me. Stop. I'm gonna use my last spell slot, and I'm gonna use Entangle on Sir Vance. Roll me a uh, what is it? Strength save. Sir Vance. A seven. So it does stop you just before him. It doesn't like hold you to the ground, but it grabs your legs and stops you from going forward for a moment. Sir Vance, we, just think about it for a second. He he had a plan. I don't think he meant to to hurt us. I think it, it doesn't matter what the plan was. It doesn't matter what he meant. He killed Guy. <laughs> it, Before I knew anyone, I knew Guy. My only lifelong friend. Nothing you can say will stop me. And then I'm going to push my sword into his chest. Roll me another strength save. Don't. He doesn't have to roll it. I I let go. I'm plunging my Odachi into his chest. Oh my gosh. And I'm going to use a second level spell slot to use oh my Divine Smite. Oh my. <sighs> God help. What is happening? I did it for you. I did it for you all. Sarance, you step forward and you plunge your Odachi into Lark's chest. And when you do, radiant power courses into him. 
and it burns the flesh as Lorik lets out a gasping breath and then goes still. But when it does, Cervantes, you feel the power of Palor leave you. Jeez. You realize in that moment that you, apparently, you've broken your oath. Kellen, Jim's at your feet. Jim, he's not conscious, is he? He's not. Are we even going to be able to make it out of here? Is there any point in trying to wake him up? I mean, like, uh, seriously. You say that, and you notice that this entire area is now cold and black and dark. And you feel suddenly very, very, very afraid and alone. Like something is deeply wrong with this place. I've only felt this way one more one time before. It was not a good feeling. I guess I'm going to try and stabilize him and help him out. You roll me a medicine check. That's a 19 on the dice. Okay. You stabilize Jim. Oh, thank Jim, God. you're no longer dying. You are unconscious. I'm going to drink my potion of greater healing. Yes. You feel vigor and life come back into you. Helen, I'm sure he has some potions on him. You probably do too. Drink the potions, and we're getting out of here. I rummage through Jim's stuff, and I can't mm-hmm. I can't find any of his potions. Hey, Cervantes, uh, we're we're both out. I toss him my uh, potion of lesser healing that I had from way earlier. Give that to Jim. I pour it into Jim's mouth. Jim. Yes. You come too. Kellen's there. I am awake. And whenever I wake, I jump up and say, Ovi, Ovi, the stone. Can, can we can we fix it? No answer. I go and get my old greatsword mm-hmm. out of Lork's body and leave the Odachi there in his chest. What, 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 what in the name of, what, what happened? A lot of things happened. He, he sacrificed himself for that, and then you sacrificed him. He also sacrificed Guy. Jim, you see Guy lying on the ground still. Wait, Guy didn't make it? Jim just kind of sits there for a minute and then he stands up he goes over to where he, where the tree was where the stone should be he said what about the stone it's gone it flew away in a headless dragon the, <sighs> Jim just kind of sits there or stands there like he's just pale pallid he says, after a moment, I guess, I guess we should go. How are we supposed to get back? Is there even, is there even a way out of here? We'll just go back the way we came. There's literally no way. The, the, the drive. You hear thunder. And then wind starts to blow through this area. 
What are you doing? Jim looks around for the source of the wind. I mean, you don't see anything. It's very, very dark in here. You hear thunder and you feel the wind, so. I want to do something. I want to walk over to Lork's body. And I'm going to take the broken box boat. And I'm going to put it in his rope. And I want to say in a soft voice to where servants can't hear me. We had really hard times, and I probably should have stopped servants, or at least I tried to. But I saw your sacrifice. And if I make it out of here, I'll tell people about it. Of the one crazy wizard who risked himself to save the world. And I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk back over to Servants and Jim. So what are we trying to do? How are we supposed to get out of here? The wind is getting stronger. It's blowing toward the door, or, well, the direction that you all came from. Yeah. So let's, let's head this way before whatever's making that wind gets here. So I pick up Guy and kind of... Carry Mama back and head towards the way we came. You all take off in the direction of what you assume is the door, and the wind is blowing at your back, pushing you onward. Thunder is rolling overhead and now lightning, and this wind is blowing up a gale. And you all run for a few minutes, and you're tired. You're beaten. You've endured so much. In such a short time, and everything seems to have gone sideways. And you find the door, and it's closed, and it's cold. Try to open it. Sure. Yeah. From this side, it's just stone, and you... There's no handle, and you try to wedge something into it. You try to pry it open, and it's just... It, it, it's resilient. It doesn't seem to want to budge. It doesn't want to give way. And the thunder gets louder, and lightning is striking from behind you, and now it seems to be striking around you all. It almost seems like this place is starting to come apart. Well, I guess this is it. Sir Vance, Jim, I don't, I don't know of any other thing we can do. I mean, the door's shut tight. We can't get it open. Stone is gone. I don't even think the gods would hear us right now. No. Turns out Atonia was not my patron. Paylor has left Servants. Maybe this is our just penance. I only wish we could leave so that we could try to right the wrongs we've wrought here. The only thing that I wish for is to see Irma. One last time. So we can't open the door? The door is shut. Hmm. As you all are standing there, not knowing what to do, unable to open the door, suddenly, Jim, with your robe of eyes, you're the first to notice that to your back, a light appears. I thought they cut it off my back. It's cut, but it's still there. Okay. Jim sees through wounded eyes a light. You all turn and you see this burning bright light amidst what is 
turning out to be the greatest storm any of you have ever been in, you know that if you don't get out of here soon, it's going to tear you apart. And you see a light appear, and it is like a triangular three-pointed gateway. And stepping out of it is a figure. It's a short figure. At first, it's kind of hard to see because of the darkness and the light behind it, but you all recognize after... Well, you don't recognize. You all see her after a moment, and it's a uh, it's a woman. She's about four feet tall with coffee-colored skin, her brown hair just beyond shoulder length, tangled and unkempt. She's got these bright orange eyes. And she says, Well, I guess we should get out of here if you three would like to come with me. Yeah. Come on, if you... Let's, let's go. This place is... You don't want to be here. Jim doesn't look at her. He averts his eyes in shame and walks toward the door. Same. You step through the gate. Kellen? I'm going to step through the gate. Paladin? You mean knight? Come on. I say... You couldn't have appeared here any sooner. And then walk through she stands there, surveying the grove as the winds and the lightning and the rains and the storm are tearing this place apart. And with a sigh, she says, It was fun while it lasted. And then she steps through the gate. And that is season one.